You're listening to the Between You and Me podcast, brought to you by JesusWire.com, with your host, Jessica Morris. Hey friends, welcome to episode two of Between You and Me. Thank you so much for all your support uh, of our debut episode with Crowder. I'm so excited to be able to share this with you um, and I love that so many of you are stoked for what we're doing this season. Today's episode is super special um, and it's a stellar interview, not because of anything I say, but because we are talking to someone who has so much to offer and whose music is so influential and amazing. Uh, We are talking with David Gunga today of The Brilliance Music Now, this is not the Gunga of Gunga music. This is actually his brother. Uh, David is an amazing musician in his own right. Now, you may have heard his music uh, from the super well-known song Brother, which came from their first album with Integrity Music in 2015, or their follow-up All Is Not Lost in 2017. Now, I speak to David today about the choice of the band to actually step away from a record label and release instead of one album numerous suites at least five the ep the o dreamer suite dropped november 9 last friday and it is beautiful it is all about the influence of the daca dreamers their stories and also just the stories and the dreams of every single one of us Now, before we head into this, I do want to let you guys know, we talk about some political issues in this and they're not meant to be divisive. I actually bring that up with David and we talk about why they choose to use the liturgical music in a social justice manner. And then he actually redefines the concept of social justice, which I love. So worth listening to, um, especially in light of the fact that earlier this week in recording this, David was actually on the ground with the caravan of people migrating from Mexico City to America. When you hear this, that may have been resolved in some capacity, but during a recording, uh, they were still struggling to feed those people. And David was actually working with World Relief to help make that happen in some small way. Totally worth checking out the Brilliance music on their social media platforms so you can see the story and how that played out. Really inspiring and really challenging in a faith way as well. So so guys, without further ado, this is David Gunga of The Brilliance. Growing up in Marshfield, Wisconsin, David Gunga and John Arndt made music together from a young age. Moving across the US and eventually settling between New York City and Chicago, they continued this tradition remotely. Their friendship propelled them to keep creating, and eventually, the brilliance was formed. However, they never set out to become a band. It was only after they worked together on a side project for John's Church that they began releasing their music into the world. Their first independent album, The Brilliance, released in 2010, and over the next two years, their creativity helped them roll out EPs and albums, including Advent Volume 1, Lent, Advent Volume 2, A Cave Time Worship Experience, The Live Road Recordings, and Advent B-Sides. Known for the liturgical nature of their compositions, David's work as an associate pastor and John's as a composer poised them to fill a niche in the market, mixing stunning compositions with compelling lyrics that discuss faith, theology, science and art. 
with musical influences as diverse as J.S. Bach to the Beatles and Sufjan Stevens, as well as theologians such as Mother Teresa, Henry Nguyen, Richard Rohr and St. Francis, they cultivated a unique sound that was a blend of art, music and empathy. This gained them a loyal following and they toured in small venues and churches across the US. By the time The Brilliance released their For Our Children EP in 2014, they caught the interest of Christian music label Integrity Music and were signed the same year. With the intention of eventually releasing an album that was less church-based, The Brilliance released Brother in 2015. A slightly more congregational release that was comprised mostly from songs they had released independently. This peaked at 36 on the US Christian charts and was received well by reviewers and Christian publications. In 2017, they released their eagerly anticipated follow-up, All Is Not Lost, which peaked at 20 on the US Christian charts and made its way to 12 on the Billboard Heatseekers charts. The album took them on tour to audiences as far away as Australia, and they were labelled as making spiritual protest music with lyrics that challenge religious norms. When asked about the purpose of their music, John described it as music that opens hearts to society more than simple answers and dogmas. In this way, they continue to push the boundaries of creating conventional church music as they discuss the concepts of evolution and creation, biblical interpretation and peaceful activism. Following album two, the brilliance supported the liturgists on the songs God Our Brother and Joy to the World, allowing David to partner with his brother Michael Gunga, better known as musical artist Gunga, on recordings. Two years later, the brilliance is back with an evolving sound and mission. Stepping away from integrity music, they have set out to release at least five albums known as Sweets independently and have invited fans to support them on Patreon to create music that inspires empathy. Their first album in the series, The O Dreamer Suite, dropped on November 9 and was directly inspired by the stories of America's DACA Dreamers. Their podcast, The Brilliance, has also released to coincide with this. I spoke to David Gunga from his home studio in New York City about the relevance of The O Dreamer Suite, the political and religious divide in America, and why the band chose to go independent. This is The Brilliance's David Gunga. Does love have an Welcome, stranger. Give us your tired and All those in me, oh dreamer. Teach us to dream again, oh weeks um it's releasing this is it november yeah. 9 yeah so uh it's a i'll start off with how it all came about so john the other guy in the band and i um have made music since we were little kids together and at the end of this last year we were deciding um whether we were going to continue to make music together as adults or what we were going to do, because I mean, we've been adults since we've made the brilliance, but we were kind of going, what's the next stage of life? What are we going to do? Uh, I think for us, 2017 was a really hard year um, for a lot of different reasons. And at the end of it, um, we were 
like John had gone through a terrible breakup and I was, I have four kids living in New York city and, uh, we had done this tour and it was really stressful. It was good, but it was really stressful. When we were coming into the end of it. It's like the end of the year. And we had all this music that we had written kind of the last two years that we hadn't done anything. Uh, we hadn't released it or anything, but we, um, like, are we going to, you know, what's the plan for this? And um, we were in Chicago and uh, we played this show. And during it, I think I was maybe a little too brutally honest to the to the crowd where I'm like, you know, sometimes we play these shows and we're like, what are we doing with our lives? Like, I'm, we came here in a van, like I'm away from my kids right now. And John, you know, well, we've been like fighting and like we're, we're here. And I just was like really honest with the crowd. And there was a guy there, uh, a good friend. His name is Mark Reddy. And he's actually from Australia. Um, Mark lives in Chicago and he came to the show. It meant a lot that he came to the show. And he's like, hey, I'd love to take you guys uh, to go get some food after the show or whatever. So we, we went um, like downtown Chicago to this like really weird tiki bar that was like, it was fantastic because it was like snowing outside. But we went to this like whole, like, uh, you know, tropical themed bar with like, uh, you know, chicken fingers and that type of stuff. We're, we're eating and I mean, it was very silly, but we're, we're eating and we're just kind of like throwing up all of our anxiety and angst about like, are we going to do this music thing? Are we going to do this? And he's like, what, what is your guys? And he just, he kept on in a really good way, uh, kept on pushing us. Like, what is the music that you want to make? What's your dream scenario? And I feel like every time we'd say our dream scenario, we'd say, this is our dream scenario, but this is our dream scenario, but, and, um, he, he really challenged us to just be honest with ourselves and make the music that we wanted to make. And at the end of it, um, we felt really encouraged, but kind of that type of encouraged. It's like, it's just good to be totally honest with someone. And he, he was like, um, he told us what he was working on, which he works for an organization called world relief that does, um, all types of humanitarian effort and works with churches all around the world and um, people all around to help aid refugees and people who are um, displaced. And he does a lot of work that's really inspiring to us, but he told us that uh, his main work for 2018 was all around uh, DACA dreamers. And I, I kind of leaned in because I knew about DACA Dreamers from like the news, but I, I didn't know any Dreamers and I didn't know much about like, how do you help DACA Dreamers? What is that about? And so he just kind of told us about this and he said, why don't you guys, he commissioned us. He's like, why, you know, why don't you think about possibly writing a song for them? And we're like, well, you know, what is that about? And he, 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 kind of he was like why don't you meet first with some dreamers he knew that we lived in new york and so he connected us to a dreamer and we john and i had lunch with this guy and just he kept on surprising us with things that would be normally i feel like stereotypes for um you know whatever you'd think like for instance even um even the idea of like uh I would think that, uh, you know, maybe right now in our country, 
in America, issues of like immigration are so polarized. And he, and this guy was like the most uh, unpolarizing, interesting guy where his dream was to be in the military and be an officer and then to eventually be a firefighter. And John and I were just so taken back in a very good way by this guy, by his humility and his old dream to serve. And then we started meeting more dreamers and hearing more stories. And, and they was, these were incredible people who um, really were grateful for America. And I, I felt like this was something that John and I, we were like, this is inspiring to us. So we started to write a song for it. I think we both wrote multiple songs that ended up uh, when Mark, when he's like, all right, do you have a song ready? I think we sent him like eight different demos of things. And he's like, this is more than one song. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we, we were inspired by it. So we decided um, with this other music that we have, we thought, you know what we'd like to do is we'd like to release music that are based around um, stories, like people's stories that inspire us one way or another. And um, one of the things that came back from that conversation with Mark originally, where he's like, what type of music do you want to make? What do you want to do? We were telling him stories that inspired us to keep on making music um, together and as the brilliance. And he's like, make that music. And so we came up with this idea for these suites where the first suite is around DACA Dreamers. Um, and we're calling it a suite because we also wanted space to be able to do instrumental music. John is a composer and he went, one of his dreams was I, I want to make music that is not just like a pop formula. He wants to be able to create a lot of different stuff. Um, and he's a great composer. And so for these suites, there's lots of space for classical music as well. Um, and so the first suite is around, um, the theme of having a dream. So it is dedicated to DACA dreamers, but it also kind of goes to this place of going, what are our individual dreams? And when you say what your dream is, um, sometimes if you say that out loud and you kind of go, well, this is my dream. Um, when you see someone's dream who doesn't have as much privilege as you or I have, and their dream is something like to have clean water or to have a home or to have citizenship or to have whatever you want to go down the list of things where people for their daily needs don't have their needs needs met it um it forces you in a healthy way to i feel like be grateful for your own life to take a posture of humility and of openness um and so that's the the theme of that first suite and then the second suite um, is themed around, which we'll release uh, in the beginning of 2019, uh, is this the end of the world? A lot of people in America have a lot of hyperbole around like, we're in this time where we've never seen such terrible things, which on one end, in our lifetimes, we haven't. But on another end, if you study any history, you're like, wow, uh, humans have come a long way <laughs> and uh, we're pretty resilient. And for as much hate and darkness there is in the world, there's still a lot of people fighting for love and for um, light. And so the second uh, suite deals with the themes of hope. 
in the face of hopelessness. And the third suite deals with grief. Um, and so each suite kind of dives into one of these themes and uh, is musically really inspiring to us. We feel like it's the music that by far, it's the first time we actually like our own music. I feel like we're, we've, we've, we're not worried about saying the wrong thing or stepping on the wrong toes. Um, we're, we're excited about it. Welcome to the darkness Fear will let you in The root of all exclusion Who is out and who is in Systems of belonging Lock us in a cage We fear those who are different Refuse to see them have you chosen to be so outspoken about this topic? Um, I mean, for, for me, I, I grew up in the Salvation Army, so social justice has always been a huge part of my face and my parents just have worked in that sphere. Um, so for me, I'm like, it's it's just a given. But I think for so many people, it's it's um, nearly not a questionable part of faith, but how that looks is very different than say working proactively like with the dreamers um, or speaking up on different issues. Um, and from my time in America and what I see on the news, the, the church is so divided right now about yeah. these, these issues and how to go about them and even how to speak to people uh, who are different from us. Um, and you choosing to create this, um, not just with the dreamers, but being honest in all your all your sweets is nearly like giving is nearly like inviting all this commentary in from other people some who will be like awesome love it like me and some people who will just not get it and be like you're so far left it's ridiculous like how do you yeah. how do you prepare for that and and why do you choose to sort of open yourself up for that well um one we feel like this is, um, so I can speak about that from a, f a faith lens, but I feel like a lot of times it's easier and better. I, easier is probably the wrong word for this, but for me, it's, it's better for my soul to not um, always try to use faith language because sometimes I feel like it charges faith language in a way that it can become violent. And there's already a history of violence within faith. I need to go like, hey, my faith is, is nonviolent. So I need to try to come up with ways that I could say this. I'd be like, here's my best uh, attempt at this. One, there's no idea that is above critique. But there's no person below dignity. So when I invite you into this conversation, which this is an invitation. The invitation is to say, we have right now a problem in America with 
a specific situation with our DACA dreamers. There is no one who is um, above reproach for their ideas. Meaning we're saying, hey, let's come up with a creative solution for this. And, and it does not mean that my solution is the best solution. Every idea can be critiqued. Our one caveat is no person is below dignity. So if in our ideas we dehumanize people, that's where we go, well, we can't even critique that idea. It's, it's not an idea we can build on. So for issues like you use the word uh, social issues, like social justice or whatever kind of issues that you'd want to call that, I'd be like, well, let's just talk about human issues of, and I say that so that those who maybe go, they have a trigger with the idea of social justice. Look, I, my, my main thing is like, don't let feel all those feelings and throw it up. And now after it's all out, let's go, what are we talking about here? We're talking about humans. How do we, do we first see them? A lot of times, um, with issues of privilege, we go, oh, that's so terrible that that's happening. But for me, I can easily forget. Because I can easily forget, that is the definition of privilege. Only because it doesn't actually affect me in my conscious mind daily as in though I'm aware of it. Now, it does affect me. The myth is that it doesn't affect you. But it always does affect you, even though you may be aware it's affecting you or not aware that it's affecting you. So for us, for issues like this, anytime you have privilege, what are you to do with that privilege? Now, for me, I'm, if I'm going to speak from a language of faith and try not to be violent about a certain issue, meaning like you have to do this or you're going to blah, blah, blah. You're not this. You're not that. No, no, no. I'm just saying when I see Jesus one of the key things about Jesus that I'm like, this is the watermark of discipleship is the ability to see. Jesus was constantly seeing people that society or religion or whatever systems normally wouldn't see. Even to his very big sermon on the Mount where he goes, hey, all of you who are poor, the poor in spirit, Yours is the kingdom of, of God. It's this thing of like, I see you. It's how many times we get every story of Jesus calling out to people, seeing people, all these different parables where God sees us. And for, for me, that's a, a great message. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, individually I can go, look, God sees me personally. But the thing is, Anytime you follow the teachings of Jesus, and especially for those who are, they think they're in, a lot of times those who think they're in, oh, if you read Jesus' teachings, a lot of times it's like, uh-oh, as, as confident as I am that I'm in and that I'm the righteous, that I'm the one who saves people, I'm in the one who needs saving. I'm the one in the ditch who needs some help. I'm, I'm not the good Samaritan. I'm the one that needs saving. And f for that, I say that to say, in most situations like social issues, when I'm this blessed, I'm this fortunate to not worry about my daily needs. 
how then am I to use that privilege? And I would argue that the ability to see, especially those on the underside of that privilege, is one way that I connect to the other. And when I connect to the other, according to Jesus, is when I connect to God. It's like when I am meeting the stranger or the unintelligible or even my enemy, that is the place that I meet God. Now, that is the most Christian work that I can do. But the more work I do like that, it brings you into place of telling people's stories, which are often social issues. But I don't say those social issues from a a standpoint of, um, I know how to fix all of humanity. <laughs> no, I, I don't. There are issues that are very complicated and they can be solved in different ways. And even when we solve them, usually as Americans, whenever we solve a problem, we make a bigger one. And so I try to say, well, what do I do then? Do I lean into nihilism and just go, none of it matters. Who cares? Just leave it alone. No. That's a place of privilege. My job is to try to, out of a place of gratitude and out of a place of love and light, is go, how can I see the people around me? How can I love my neighbor? And do I know my neighbor? Do I know their stories? And that, that's where I'd say we, we lean into issues like this, not from a place of um, a left or right uh partisan way, but it will get political because life is political. But how do we not use politics in a violent way? Just like I wouldn't want anyone to use religion in a violent way. I'd say no idea is above critique and no person is below on on the humility that comes with leaving something so strongly um, but also the dignity that's so important and found in people um, and I really appreciate how you touched on privilege because it's something that I've become aware of in my own life too um, and I'm I'm learning to wrestle with so I I really appreciate that this is how you this isn't the narrative and the wrestling that you go through with it and that you're expressing it creatively. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think one of the things about privilege, just like anything, whenever you learn something, you are now held responsible for it. So I don't look at privileges in a way of going like, Oh, it's bad if you're privileged. No, it just, you are, you are fortunate enough to not have the weight of whatever type of, um, parts of life where you're not privileged you have right now you are in a lovely home and you have a grandmother you have family you have how many things can you go 
I am so fortunate and blessed. I have water. I have all of these simple things. And usually out of that place um, of recognizing how fortunate you are, I feel like a lot of times the thing that comes with that is gratitude. And with gratitude comes an opening up of yourself to not be in fear because with gratitude, you can't be fearful. So it's that thing where you go, okay, if I'm coming from a place of gratitude, how, how can I love people? And I think people get freaked out sometimes because to say, when you start talking about issues, um, Sometimes it, it feels like, wait, so are you saying that I don't experience pain or I don't experience hard times or that I haven't, that I'm just so privileged that I've never felt any sorts of loss or undersided power? And like, of course not. There's all kind. I mean, that's, that's crazy. But it still doesn't mean that you don't have your daily needs met. So can't you hold the two tensions? Um, it's, it doesn't have to just be either or binary thinking. It can be both and, and it can be a lot more nuanced and complex than that. I wanted to ask about the Patreon campaign that you guys have started, um, for the dreamer suite and for all your suites. Can you tell me why you decided to move away from a label and go independent again? Cause I think the last two albums have been the label, haven't they? Yeah, so what I'll tell you the true story. Um, the true story is we signed we signed with a label um, that was very kind. Everyone that worked there could not say nice enough things about. They're all very great. Um, their their strength was church music, like getting congregations to sing your music. And the first record that we gave them, they kind of were like, what if you kind of did like a compilation thing of some of your older stuff and then gave us a few new stuff, songs? And we were like, okay. So we did that. We came out with a record called Brother. And it was, I feel like my, this is where we were at from a church music place and it was honest and I put it out. Um, they were very kind and tried to push it and in a lot of ways it, it uh, was well received but on another way it's not like a very popular thing in the, in the large scheme of Christian music meaning it was more niche and people that appreciated the music really appreciated this but they it wasn't a CCM hit there weren't any uh, like uh, CCLI top worship songs on that album um, it was more liturgical in nature. And so it was, it was just different. And so right after that record, we said, Hey, um, one of the things about that was, I remember Starbucks played brother and, uh, love remains. And, and it was like in Starbucks, you'd go around, you'd hear this. And it was like, Oh, that's cool. Cause like Starbucks is playing this record that has a lot of church music in it. But I noticed living in New York, um, people would really appreciate the music. But then as soon as they saw the label, like worship duo or whatever the write-up was about us, um, one, it wasn't fully honest because I work at a church, but John doesn't. And he's in his own space. Um, 
which I, I by no means was like he trying to be like a worship artist, you know? Um, and so on one end, it felt odd between us. On another end, uh, I'd show it to people and they'd love it. But then as soon as they heard, especially like worship band, it just, if you're in that niche, if you're in that, if you're into that kind of thing, it's like, oh, cool. This is like a kind of edgy worship band. But if you're just like in real life, people are like, what the hell is that? So, yeah. but they like the music. So it was like this weird divorced thing. And so I was like, we really want to write music that we can show our friends or show, I want to show like my kids school saying brother which was amazing. It really touched me. They go to a public school in New York and it was amazing. They sang brother. And I was like, this is the type of thing I want where they're singing brother in a public school in New York. But as soon as they listen, the rest of the record is going, you know, not it's like, what is this? And so not that, not at all that I was like ashamed or anything like that. It just meant I want to make more music that more people can connect to with the same spirit behind the music anyway. And so we told them that, our record label that, and they were like, that's cool. Our A&R guy was like, that, do it. That sounds amazing. And so we started writing for that, and uh, they came back to us and said, you know, can you do this? Because technically it was a three-album deal. The first album, Brother, the second album, they're like, can you do one more church record, and then you can do that third record? We said, yeah, um, we can do that. We'll try to make it work. So we did all is not lost, which was a real weird discombobulated thing for us because really like most of the music that we wanted for it was going to be that third record. And a song like see the love was like, I was just like, man, I don't really want to sit on this song cause I really love it. So just put it in there. Um, but it, it wasn't, it was odd to us. It was, it was, uh, an angst in making it cause we were really looking forward to that third record. So we make the second record, put it out, and then when it's time for the third record and uh, I recorded it, everything is like there. This is where a lot of these later suites are built on. Um, we, we got told, hey, the, the record label is switching presidents and we're going to do what we do best on their end, which meant they're going to do congregational church music. And for us to come out with a mainstream album just was like, this is not going to be the best thing for us. And so they graciously, um, dropped us. I say graciously cause they, they, I'm sure they could have, if they wanted to at all be, you know, uh, push us to do a third record. That's just church music or something, you know, they weren't, they were kind and they believed in us enough to say, do what you need to do. So that's good. But I was really stressed out on finances because we had first fronted the money for that record. And then John had been on a tour boat. And then while he was gone, I did a tour without him. And I just spent too much money on a big band going on tour and then just came back with tour debt. And then I'm stressing because I'm like, John, I'm sorry, we've made this tour debt. And while he was gone, which then that cost, you know, rift between us. I'm like, what are you doing? And so we were working that off and trying to figure that out. Um, and so we made these other suites first and it was funny because we got like a, a record label that 
heard about the suite, called us and gave us uh, a record offer. And it was a very kind offer. It was much smaller money-wise than what our old record deal was. And when we kind of like asked about that, they're like, well, you're doing the mainstream album. If you do a Christian album, you can get, and they told us, and it was like five times more. Um, and I just was like, okay, we're back in this tough thing of like, do I make a Christian album? Like I have four kids. I got to feed my kids. I got to, I know it sounds stupid. I got to feed my kids. I can feed my kids. But one thing that I can't do is like our kids have, my kids in flag football right now and it costs money. And the same thing with like, we rent, we live paycheck by paycheck. And I'm not poor. I am very blessed. I live in a very beautiful place in this seminary. That's great. But it is the reality of pressure of living in whatever country you live in where you're like, I have to make sure I'm providing for my kids and doing these things. And so I thought, well, I could do maybe a worship related thing for them or what am I going to do? And so, um, I, we were wondering what we were going to do. And then at that time, we luckily got a, a call from another family that essentially wanted to be a patron, but just like a very large donor patron. And we spent months with them trying to figure it out. And then they kind of just all of a sudden went cold feet on us. And it was not the, um, it was confusing for us. And then it was like, oh, we just turned on this record deal and what are we going to do? And then it just kind of felt like it was staring us in the face. Actually, a, a fan of The Brilliance who then ended up also opening up for a show for us one time was like, have you guys ever thought about doing Patreon? And we're like, no, because I don't know. I think we were just maybe, we didn't really fully know about the model. And I feel like maybe we weren't ready to ask people for help. We just didn't know. And there's probably pride in that. And there's probably also like fear or like, oh, are people actually gonna help? Is this gonna? And so we just kind of got over ourselves. We're like, well, let's just open it up. And um, it was great. I mean, it's like we have a couple hundred patrons that are really helping and it's able to go right away. Like, oh, wow, uh, this is incredibly helpful. And now we can just release the music and it's in the wild and it will do its thing. Um, but the fun thing for us is now, even though, so it's like that couple hundred, that really small audience, that couple hundred that are our patrons, um, we're just doing stuff for them. So like this week we released a video and then it'll come out again in, you know, a week or two. And then I'm going to release all the demos for these to them. I'm going to release another song that won't be put up just for them. Uh, we thought about what if we maybe do a little Christmas thing just for them. We like we like thinking, oh, these this is our family. This is the Brill, uh, like real people that support us. They're our record label. So we want to, we are grateful to them and we want to make sure that we can honor them. So some fun things that are going to be happening are um, like this spring we're going, uh, we're co-headlining a tour with my brother's band Gunger. Um, and then uh, we have a special guest that I can't tell you yet. I'll find out tonight, but it's 
I think this artist is better than Gunger or I. We are so excited about this third artist. It, it'll come out here in the next week. But we are like, oh, man. I, I It's funny because that same way where we'd be like, what kind of music would you write and do? And we're like, oh, this is kind of the dream thing. And we're like, all right, well, let's try to do it. It was the same thing for this tour where I was like, who would we want to tour with? And I've been talking to my brother for a while. I'm like, every time we tour, it's just. It's, it's fine, but there's something really fun about being with family because I live in New York, he lives in LA, and we both have kids and stuff. So we're like, why, why don't we do another tour together and just like hang? Just, I mean, it's for us, it's just the family hang. So, um, and then when we were talking, like, who would we want to have open up? I, we were really excited. So it'll be, it'll be really cool. Um, so that's the spring. We'll be releasing these suites, and then uh, we'll also, uh, be trying to build on that Patreon some really different stuff. So for instance, John will, um, he got hired to, we're going to be doing a, a concert at a university and he wants to write a, uh, like a classical music suite for them. Um, so we'll probably release that to our patrons first and then maybe one day it'll be like, Oh yeah. And here's another thing that comes out. So, uh, the fourth, we have at least four sweet ideas that are three of them are like mostly done, just have to be finished mixing. Uh, and then the fourth one, we have two of the songs done, which is around social media. And that one is, uh, that one's gonna be a little wild, so. Yeah. When the foreign ships arrive, you feel the danger. You feel what's inside You feel the stranger Forgetting you were a stranger You are a stranger Now you are Shotgun to the head What you've become now Shotgun to the head It wasn't my fault, it wasn't my fault, it wasn't my fault Said the shotgun to the head was it my fault? Was it my fault? Was it my fault? Send the shotgun to the head. Actually, one of the things about your Patreon is that you're asking people to be on your unofficial board, which is wild. Yeah. Um, because you're yeah. opening yourselves up once a month to have people who love you, but still people open up and give you feedback and talk with you about things. Yeah. Um, how, yeah. how did you guys come to a place where you felt comfortable and excited about that? So it's funny because right now we have like two board, unofficial board members on Patreon and then one that said, hey, I don't want to go through Patreon. I want to go through another way and wrote us a check. Um, but it's funny that we're opening up. We're probably going to limit it eventually. But one of the things that we thought is, hey, if someone wants to – really support us. We want them. We want to know why do you really want to support us? 
So we're going to just tell you all of our ideas and our plans. And it doesn't mean that we're going to obey you. You're not like our boss on one end, but on another end, you are our person that we want to hear from. You're the person that's like, Hey, I really want to help support you. So if we go, Hey, we're thinking about doing this and they go, are you sure we're going to lean in and go, Oh, are we sure? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what if we, and we, we're going to talk to them. We're going to communicate. And that I feel like, um, that for us is a really important thing is being able to listen to the people who do support us. It doesn't, the, the image that I think of is, um, and, and I feel like I've heard this analogy before, so I'm sure I'm stealing it from someone in my subconscious mind. But um, if you do art and you have these people that do support you, imagine like having a, a garden and if you make carrots, um, it's good to make the best carrots that you can. And if you're going to make something else, be like, does this go with carrots well? But if I'm going to make carrots and also going to, or, you know, garden with carrots and then also going to garden with like, I don't know, name whatever other weird vegetable, but actually that doesn't work in that climate and that's weird. I feel like we need to hear from people that we're going, hey, does this actually resonate within this and do you get this? Um, and so that that's one of the, and especially when we're doing, um, the hard thing, we're never going to be a, a huge band. We're never going to be like, our goal is to not be pop stars or top 10 radio. I mean, that would be awesome for my kids. I'm not going to not take it, but uh, you know, we're not, that's not our goal. Our goal is to make art that inspires empathy into action. And so if we're making, if we're creating art that inspires empathy then we're going, okay, that's what we garden and how we do that. We can be really creative in how we create empathy, but we're going to tell people stories. And then those who want to go, Hey, we really want to help you make that art. We want to go over strategy because there are a lot of people out there that have better business minds than us or marketing minds or think outside the box or, you know, the only way that we did Patreon was by listening to a fan that was invested enough to say, Hey, I really think you should do Patreon. And us kind of wrestling through and going, yeah, I think you're right. All those in my guess is I asked them three questions that people probably would like to ask, but the time never seems quite right. Um, yeah. I wanted to know, do people ever confuse you with your brother? Oh my gosh. All the time. I will. There are so many times where I will, um, it would happen more. So brilliance hasn't played at churches in, all, in quite some time. Um, I lead at my church every Sunday, but when we first started, we played a lot of churches and I would sing something, get off stage or whatever. And they would come up and without fail, at least every time we played, like at least one or two people would come up and be like, we just love beautiful things. 
And eventually I would just say, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I've said it so many times. Oh, that's my brother wrote that. That's great. You know, I've, I said it in many different versions of that. But eventually, you know, when you're like, you just go, thank, thank you. I love it too. That's amazing. Yeah, I hear that. Um, what is your favorite record of all time? What inspires you the most? Oh. You can have a top two or three if it's easier. Yeah, I'd do a top two or three. Um, so what is my favorite record of all time and what inspires me the most is probably different. Okay. Um, one, uh, okay. I'm going to just name a few records that inspired me out their time. And they don't mean that like today I listen to them, but they just, at the time that they came, they grew me into the musician I am today. Uh, I'm going to start off with, I'll say David Bazan and Pedro the Lion was a really big deal to me. And so was Curse Your Branches. Both records were amazing. Um, I was in high, end of high school, beginning of college when Sufjan started doing things and I really got into Michigan and Illinois. Um, I was a huge fan of Pete Yorn's music for the morning after, which was an incredible record and it still is an incredible record. Um, and then later on, after I actually started making music, I started going back and actually discovering like my I would say like my, my patron saints of music, which for me, I'm a huge Paul Simon and Paul McCartney fan. So I'm a huge Beatles fan, but I'm like, you, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you got to love John, which I love John. He's great. But Paul was just like, I, I'm every time I like from melody was like speaking. There's no one who's written better melodies to me than Paul McCartney. And then, uh, lyrically and just like, Oh, vibes. I love Paul Simon. Um, and then for a record, whew, I mean, the record that gets the most play in my house is Miles Davis, Kind of Blue. But I mean, that's like the most stock jazz record ever, but we listen to it probably every night at dinner with my kids for which it just goes on. I just wear the hell out of it. So. And last question. You started recording, well, you released your music 2010, I think was when you released yeah. your first record. Um, what would you say to yourself now, like back then, if you could speak to yourself in the past, what would you say to yourself? Like, what have you learned since then? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I've never been asked that question. Yeah, what would I say to myself in 2010? take vocal lessons where would you where would you be without where would you be without your dream where would you where would you be without would you be without your dream? If you could do 
that was David Gunga. How cool was that? When I started this podcast, I dreamed of having conversations about things that moved us and that were important. This happens to be super important in so many areas right now, politically, in the religious sphere, in the church, and personally, to me, in Australia and in America. I love the fact that the Brilliants are reaching out and are speaking about what matters to them and are allowing people to embrace that empathy and change as well, no matter where we stand politically. Now, if you want to be involved with the Brilliants, go follow them online at The Brilliance Music. David and John also have their own accounts you can access via their band account. If you would like to support this band on Patreon, I can't recommend it highly enough. From $1 a month, you can literally get an unreleased song. Um, And from there, you can donate enough to even be part of their unofficial board. So if you really want to be involved with the brilliance and believe in their mission to create art that inspires empathy, you can actually select to donate there and speak with these guys once a month, figure out where they're going, contribute and what they have to offer you're also able to get access to the brilliant suite as they come out early, which is really, really cool. And just like David was saying in the interview, they have lots of perks coming up along the way. So if you love their music, definitely get on board for that. If you'd like to see them live, they've also just announced tour dates for their end of the world tour. Uh, It includes Ganga, so it's going to be a family event. Uh, And their special guest is Propaganda. And I've seen him live before. He's amazing. So if they come to your town, definitely check that out. Now, guys, that was episode two done. I loved it, as you can tell. But next week, we have something new and something that I'm super passionate about. We are talking to Chad Moses of To Write Love on Her Arms. I know some of you guys will be saying, what the heck? To Write Love on Her Arms isn't a band. They're not a Christian band. They're a non-profit organization. What's going on? Well, Longtime fans of bands like Anne Boleyn or Switchfoot or Under Oath will have seen the iconic To Write Love on Her Arms t-shirt for the last 12 years. Uh, and after interning with the organisation myself in 2013, I saw firsthand how influential the organisation are in actually working with those bands and in reaching out both to Christians and people outside the church about the message of mental health and suicide prevention and things like that. So I thought it would be really, really cool if we dedicated an episode to actually talking about mental health. I reached out to my friend Chad Moses, who is the music and events coordinator at To Write Love. He's been working there for the last 10 years and he generously told me all about why mental health matters in the music industry why there's an additional level of complexity for artists with a faith or who are in the Christian music industry. And he even shared some of his own story about why he joined to write love and some of his experiences with music and how that's impacted his mental health. It is a gem of an episode. Um, I respect Chad so much. He has some great stuff to say, both as someone who works in the mental health field, someone who knows music really well, and as someone who knows theology really well. I highly recommend it. So make sure you press subscribe, guys, and tune in next week to hear Chad speak about mental health and mental illness. If you guys love today's episode, please leave us a review. Drop us a line on social media at Between You Me Pod. We are up for artist suggestions. We are up for topic suggestions and for feedback. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you love and what you really want to hear from us. We cannot wait to give you the rest of this season and to really work with you guys to create something beautiful. So that's all from me this week. Make sure you tune in next week to hear all about mental health in the music industry. See you then.
Podcast. Stay connected by visiting www.betweenyouandmepod.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more Christian news, reviews, and interviews, get plugged in to JesusWire.com.